Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I'm Jesse Case. And I am Andy Wood. And Matt, you did an outstanding job of booking today's podcast. When you texted yeah, me yesterday, what, I was like, no, you did not get that person. Yeah, what, what, one of my favorite comics. I, I, first, I first saw this comic on Dr. Katz. That's how I encountered a lot of uh, my favorite American comics, because that was what we, we didn't get like... Comedy Central or HBO specials in the UK, but we did get that. So that was, I got to see like her, Hedberg, a bunch of other people what uh, a scene, just animated in. Bo- like Boston Brendan Small scene. Yeah, but animated in, in Squiggle Vision. But the very funny, the excellent Wendy Liebman. How are you, Wendy? I'm so happy that you invited me. And yes, I was on Dr. Katz a gazillion years ago. I'm old. That was old. <laughs> Wendy, we uh we met a gazillion years. You've you uh influenced my comedy a lot. Uh <gasps> which is I know. We met back backstage at Letterman. I was like twenty two and you were doing a set and Eddie and I were working on a set, so he brought me down and it was like my first time in New York. I was a kid. I was it was like like uh, <laughs> so I was just back there like uh, like bothering Jeff while you but you were so cool and collected. I was more nervous than you just being there, like just being there. You know what I'm saying? And then I, you went out and you crushed and I ate some fruit and uh, <laughs> and I was just like, that's whatever that I want that. That's the life. Like, that's what I want. I want so all that. you ate my fruit. I ate. So, no, it was not your fruit. It was just some of the fruit. I remember you came back after and there was some fruit missing and you flipped and got very violent. I remember. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was so a big funny. problem and had to be restrained. How but. did your set go when you taped it? He, uh, uh, well, he left the show, as we all know, and, and d- they did not take any of the notes over to the new books. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, oh so man. Was, me and um, Ahmed Barucha, friend of the show, Ahmed Barucha, we uh, like a few of us lost in that where we're like, what? Come on, man. What? Don't, oh, don't do man. that. What? What? Come on. <laughs> well, uh, I have to tell you, I've I did the show. Uh, I'm still nervous thinking about it. I, you know, there are times in your life you look back and go, who was that person? And that's how I feel about taping Letterman because I remember I used to do psych research. I was going to be a therapist. Oh, cool. And cool. after college, I did psych research. And there were a bunch of us who had lunch every day. And I remember one of my colleagues said, You should go on Letterman. He would find you so funny. And this was before I even did stand up. So um, wow. getting on Letterman <laughs> was surreal. Yeah. And, uh, mm. Yeah, um, I, I, I still a, get nervous. I'm like a I'm a Beatles freak, and I remember I got there pretty early just to see how the tape. I was just down there to work on the set, and then it was like stay for the taping. And and I my main thing I was asking like where where did the Beatles stand like in the Ed Sullivan right. theater? So as the crowd was still coming in, and they took me out, and they're like, "This is," the, and I recognized it from the video. And to me, that was a way bigger. I was like, yeah, 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 who cares about comedy? Like, this is crazy. Because <laughs> that, that was Ed Sullivan. Yeah, Ed Sullivan Theater. Theater. So I was like, this is crazy. And uh, yeah. 
Yeah. And, yeah. And then and then you got violent with the fruit. But I but um... <laughs> no, there was no fruit. It was a chair. Yeah. <laughs> There's no fruit left. Um, no, but that's uh, tell us about the this is a this. I did all this on purpose. Tell us about this psych stuff. We always yeah, because because normally we ask. Yeah, we ask yeah. our guests what background they have in science. But I didn't realize you that was your path before you went to comedy. Well, it's kind of interesting that I was always better at math and science growing up than I was in English. I wasn't bad in English, but I always did well in math and science. And um, after college, I thought I wanted to be a therapist. And I worked at Harvard Medical School doing psych research, as I said, or I worked under a, a psychiatrist and the study was about coping mechanisms in kids who had chronic uh, diseases like diabetes versus the control population, just regular kids. And then plus kids who had like broken arms, something that was tempor a temporary setback. And yeah, I interviewed them and um, we crunched the data. And then I, I was around that hospital and I just found it so oppressive. So... I didn't think I was going to pursue it. And then one night I took in the mail from the wrong apartment. And in the mail was a course catalog for an adult ed school, like the learning annex. <laughs> and there was a class, how to be a stand-up comedian. And I swear when I read that, I felt like the angel singing. <laughs> I didn't know that wow. was a thing. And um, the rest is history. I mean, I took the class with the teacher is Ron Lynch, who runs yeah. a very popular show here in what? L.A. The Tomorrow yeah. Show. The oh Tomorrow Show. Yeah. I know. Ron was my teacher, my mentor. He was very mothering to me at that time. Wow. I went to all his shows with him. It was it was a really interesting time. So I stopped doing my um job at the hospital and then I worked at a college just doing administrative assistant work while pursuing stand-up at night and um, and now I'm looking for a new career you guys <laughs> <laughs> so so many people quit their jobs when they meet Ron Lynch it's weird it's seriously not, no, no. Oh. <laughs> just at the grocery he's, store people just quit they <laughs> he's so great but I am thinking about going back to school right now now fourth grade. Um, that, That's where you're going to start. Yeah, <laughs> I love fourth grade. <laughs> um, how was it the mental pivot? Like that always fascinates me when people like when you're all in on something like psych research, and I imagine like clinical the clinical trial research world is like oppressive. Um, it can feel weird, but like. I guess I've I've never experienced that where I'm all in on another real job because I just, you know, I wanted to mm -hmm. do like music stuff and then comedy. And part of you, like your identity, I guess, at that age is so wrapped up in this other thing. You have to switch. Um, I'm bungling this wording. No, but I, I understand. Mean, it yeah, was very it was very natural because I 
didn't feel all in. Maybe that's okay. Why. Okay, cool. Um, cool. I had an idea of what I wanted to do. I was always good. Like I was the head of house in my college, so I had to deal with people's problems, and I was apparently very good at that. So I thought, oh, I'll be a good therapist. And ironically, or just incidentally, my sister became a therapist. So it's in the family, I guess. Um, but one-on-one, I'd rather make... A hundred people laugh and one person cry. I guess basically <laughs> that's that's what I decided. Sure. And and the truth is, I it's, was very therapy's dep- all crowd work. Horrible. <laughs> it is. Work. I know. And what's interesting about therapy because I've been in it probably my entire life um, is when I'm in therapy, it's all about me. And then when I'm out of therapy, I'm like, what would Dr. S think? <laughs> like, it's all about her. Um, but anyway, I realized I was uh, I was very depressed at the time. And I think a lot of comedians struggle with depression. But I was depressed at that time. So being around that hospital wasn't good for me. Um, so it was, to answer your question, it was an easy switch. Mm. Well, I, I know loved being I'm, around comedy. When I'm I around a bunch it. of kids with chronic illness, I know I'm always chipper. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> picks me right up in the morning. So I don't, what I don't about, really know. What about the triage? Kids? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't really know what your deal is, Wendy. Mm. Sometimes when I'm feeling down, I <laughs> skip on down there. So wow. were you were you ER. also seeing shows around town at the time or was this was it literally like hadn't really crossed your mind besides your friends besides you know you're funny and then this sign from above or you this is in Boston in the height of like the Boston comedy heyday right Right and I had seen one show it was Barry Crimmins who passed away a couple yeah. of years ago but there's a documentary uh-huh. about him um, I saw him on stage. He was sitting on stage smoking a cigarette. And I thought, oh, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> or I want to do that. Um, and, but it, it wasn't a real idea until I saw the class. And basically, I don't think you can really teach somebody to be funny, but I don't think you can teach somebody anything unless it's all about focus. So Mm -hmm. what the class did was it focused the 12 of us and then we would go drink beer afterwards. It was a little community and I loved to laugh. I still do. I loved to laugh. So I saw so many shows and that became my life basically other than my day job, you know. Right. Were there others in that 12-person class or who started the same year or two of you, names we would know from the... Um, Vinny Favorito was maybe a year okay. behind me. He has his own show in Vegas. And there was a man named Steve Trilling who took it the year before I did. And he was one of the funniest people I've ever met. And then he went on to run Symantec, which is a computer um, vi- oh, wow. antivirus. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the vice presidents or maybe maybe president by now. Um, but yes, so you might have seen him because he's always talking on TV when there's a big virus or something. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And he was the one who told me because he was great with crowd work, which I think is 
the most brilliant thing because the audience wants to see that you are the funny person, that your brain is wired that way. So when something is improv or extemporaneous, they see that you're not just reading a script or, you know, doing something by rote. They see that you really are funny. And the best people at that, I think, are Paula Poundstone, uh, Mm. Russell Peters, um, and Steve Trilling was so great at that. And I asked him how he did that. And he said, if you just wait a little bit, something funny will happen. <laughs> the audience will tell you. They'll say something. So anyway. I'm, you got to just learned. step. Yeah, it's like just stepping out and hoping that there's. Right. <laughs> now, I can't, I can't say that always happens. <laughs> but but it was it was pretty good advice yeah yeah yeah. what do you think about the current trend of just like the tiktokification of crowd work though because i know some i'm not getting out there much and do a lot of shows i don't really have strong opinions but some people are like oh now everyone's coming to shows hoping to have an incident and and if they can cause that incident all the better because they see you know matt rife's tiktok or whatever where he destroys a heckler or something right well i i just heard that that was the thing now that most of the viral videos are audience interaction. Oh, and Jessica Curzon is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, She's great. I I feel like the reason for most of those, most of the crowd work videos is just because the algorithm has an insatiable, like, thirst for clips, like, need for you to keep uploading stuff. And crowd work is the easiest way to turn over a lot of clips without like writing material actual jokes take much longer to hone and craft and finesse than a minute of crowd work so if you need to upload like 14 clips a week or whatever it is it's going to be a lot easier to get that from at least some chatting to an audience that's so smart i don't mind it i but i think that i have noticed it started to change what audiences themselves expect so now it's a feedback loop that's unfortunate. Like, uh, right. That's the thing I've I think like, people. Yeah. On stage the other night, I, I don't know. I was trying some new thing and it didn't work. And whenever something doesn't work that I'm working on, I like immediately ask, I like badger them for feedback. I'm like, let's figure this out together as a group. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. what, what's going on here? Like how, why I'm like, okay, something happened. We're halfway through that. You stopped liking me and I need to, <laughs> I need to figure out what that is, you know? And, uh-huh. And (laughs) does that work? Can you give us an example? I think, well, like, uh, so um, use it in a sentence. (laughs) Um, Use it in a play. Well, no, I just mean like if I if I have a bit where the premise, I mean, I don't without getting too deep into it, like we all know things are super polarized right now. So like everything's political that wasn't political 10 years ago, like the shape of the planet, you know? So if you, I feel like if you say Are you a flat earther? No, no, I'm a round earther, but I don't listen to the podcast. We're all flat (laughs) earthers. Yeah. You're on our flat earther QAnon podcast, Wendy. This is Jesse's a round earther, but like in that he thinks it's flat, but vertical. Like he's a, (laughs) I'm a cylindrical wall. Yeah. I'm a Pringles earther. Pringles can shaped earth. No, I I just think, uh, so sometimes I'll say something where I think people misread me and what I'm about. Like they're making a, 
Um, it's hard to it's hard to do an example. They're judging like, you. They're judging me, but like they're misjudging, and because they're not waiting for me to, they turned off too quick before I wrap it up on a bo- in a bow. Um, yeah. Like they're not waiting for the punch. They're not giving me space. There's less like good faith with audiences now. So I totally get that. Yes, they so want a punchline. Th- so that was happening, and I was I was like, okay, you guys quit liking me, and and I the reason I do that's not all narcissistic it's like that makes them laugh too because it's acknowledging how weird it is and it you know it gets us through but um but i'm like okay so what was it like and and i I was like what you right there like what what happened there you know i was like you quit laughing completely like that's totally fine what what happened and but the guy he was like i don't know 21 and he was like oh uh this is um this is my my first comedy show and i was like well that's cool uh, and but I realized that he thought we were making like a clip, you know what I'm saying? Like he's uh, bad. Uh, he's like, don't talk to me for the TikTok clip. It's my first show, so I'm not gonna. So he thought <laughs> he thinks that's what comedy shows are. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, oh, he shouldn't so he have was... sat up front. <laughs> it's just it's weird. I, I was like, so he was more like, I'm new here, so I'm not I'm not a good person to do crowd work with because I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the rules yet, so you might want to talk to my my supervisor. He's better to do crowd work with. <laughs> yeah, talk to talk to this guy. He's been in loads of comedians crowd work clips. And it's like I don't I don't care what. I mean, I'm, are they hiring extras to do crowd work? I don't know. At your shows? I don't know. Um <laughs> No, I totally I totally have to remember this the next time I perform because I I haven't performed in a little while. So I don't know if you have I think it'll it'll fade. I think people will get they'll get back to just wanting good old you know stuff. Good jokes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, funny stuff. There is an yeah. element to like maybe the break we had in COVID stopped the um sort of institutional knowledge from passing from fan to fan and so we have to start over training audiences in what stand-up comedy is and how to like when when i used to live in portland and i started a comedy festival there and when we started it in 2008 there was only one club in portland and it wasn't the best a place called harvey's like now there's helium and they book great, great comics but harvey's by the by the owner's own admission they would book people on their way up or on their way down kind of so, uh, Portlanders I didn't know that I'm there all the time. <laughs> you don't know I which though. Down. You don't know which man. I never said it's. Uh... But like audiences, kind of in Portland, didn't know how to act at comedy shows. Like the first couple years of the festival, we sort of had to train them, and it wasn't like there was malice. It was just like, no, no, no. It's not a conversation. It's it's also not a music show. It's it's different from all these things. Um, I appreciate huh. you coming. It's not. Huh. <laughs> I like when the audience talks, actually. (laughs) I do, because then it helps me fill up my time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's that, too. Yeah, I don't have that much to share anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I run my own show in L.A. It's called Locally Grown Comedy. And uh, this professor reached out to me. I'm trying to remember from where, but he wanted to teach a class on... He was a math professor, and he wanted to teach a class on the math of jokes, like mm. that jokes were mathematical in some way. So I, he couldn't get it together, and but he was going to, like, dissect my jokes. 
Okay. Somehow mathematically, but didn't happen. That's interesting. But it was a good idea. Your jokes are, uh, like, your jokes are extremely well done. I mean, I... They are mathematical, but I wouldn't. That's not my thought. Like, they, like they, would, I, they would hold up to scrutiny, kind of is what. Maybe well, I just mean they're <laughs> they're like they're very crisp. They're very. Yeah. There's no extra um, fat. That's all on me. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um. But like the other day, I wrote a joke. Uh, I don't even know if it's a joke, but I said there are so many comedians. It's not even funny. <laughs> and that just came out of my brain. Sure. Um, and somebody said, that's very succinct. And succinct. There you succinct. go. Succinct. Yes. Yeah. No fat. No fat. So, so I would assume a mathematician would want to figure out, like, how many words does it take to get to... Right. It's like, um, it's almost like a fun challenge. Because I will talk for an hour with no punchline. No laugh. <laughs> Nothing. Well, there Pe- is a, a people music- think I'm giving a weird talk. Are you doing your TED talk? <laughs> yeah. uh, there is a a muse a musical um, component where there's like a certain rhythm where you, my friend Monica Piper, she'll add a word and make it um, the rhythm seem better. Right. And so I don't know if that's mathematical, although math and music are very connected. But I should connect you guys with with the professor. Yeah, we've yeah, had people on who've tried to figure out, you know, she's already look at, she's bailing look at, on us, guys. She's already bailing. She's like, <laughs> I should. I I'm on my phone who, texting. I, yeah, I know someone who's great for this podcast. And <laughs> it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds like Wendy's attention may be divided, you guys. And uh, turns oh? out. No, I'm got, all in. I'm all in. <laughs> Well, uh, we've got a, a story here that Matt just dropped in the show notes. Um, who, who was that from, by the way, Matt? I, I actually found it myself. I, it Look popped up on the Guardian website when I was doing the crossword. And Wendy, you're you aware of our dumb story. show where we just riff on the dumb stories? So That's should the... I click on that link? And... You're, you're welcome to click oh, you're on the link to, if you want you to. Okay. Yeah, all you we do is... To, but... You can still. We'll, we'll also, for the listeners, we'll drop the links uh, in the show notes. Yeah, so you can we just, read along. We read this the science a, news poorly. Ooh, I this love is a story. This article. <laughs> ADHD may have been an evolutionary advantage, suggests some research. Um, mm. Which I d- I don't know whether this one seems unsurprising. Like it, it's sort of. You just I, mean I, because I, it's so prevalent, it obviously. But but also it it just doesn't. It, it seems to be one of those like, yeah, why why wouldn't it be? So it says traits common to attention deficit uh, hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, such as distractibility or impulsivity, may have been an evolutionary advantage for our ancestors by improving their tactics when foraging for foods, researchers have said. ADHD is a neurodevelopmental uh, disorder with symptoms including impulsiveness, disorganization, and difficulty focusing. While estimates of prevalence have varied, diagnoses have been rising in many countries, including the UK. Now researchers say that while some of these traits tend to be viewed negatively, they may have helped people seek out new patches for foraging. Dr. David Barak of the University of Pennsylvania, who was the first author of the research, said the study offers a potential explanation for why ADHD was more prevalent than expected from random genetic mutations alone, and more broadly, while traits such as distractibility or impulsivity were common. He said, if these traits were truly negative, you'd think that over evolutionary time they'd be selected against... 
our findings are an initial data point suggestive of advantages in uh, choice contexts. So they analyzed data from 457 adults who completed an online foraging game. I want to play this game now. This is <laughs> this is my online. own ADHD kicking in right now where it's like I want to forage. I want to, I don't want an I don't want to go outside and forage, but I will do some online foraging. Online for sure. foraging game. Just the height of entertainment. I'm so you excited. Know, Jesse's going to go forage for some fruit. Yep. And um yep. yeah. Uh, no, yeah, that I, makes you, a lot of sense. I grew yeah, up you on play Super like Big Fort- Buck Hunter in, right. in bars and stuff. There's a lot of hunting games where there aren't as much gathering games. So you guys didn't play Super, <laughs> super Foraging Brothers growing up? Yeah. No. Yeah. No? Oh. There's so, a, a comic. Um, <laughs> Jesse Perry was his name. Uh, and he had this joke where he was like making fun of whatever, you know, when you tour and you make fun of whatever crappy town is next door. And he go, I went to their Walmart. They only had two aisles, hunting and gathering. And I thought it was so funny. That's a funny Uh, joke. Yeah. So this this game, in this foraging game, you have to collect as many berries as possible within eight minutes. The number of berries obtained from each bush decreased with the number of times it was foraged. During the task, participants could either continue to collect berries from the bushes in their original location or move to a new patch, although the latter cost them time. They also screen participants for ADHD-like symptoms, although they stressed this did not constitute a diagnosis. Uh, and they found that 206 participants had positive results. The researchers found that participants with higher scores on the ADHD scale spent shorter periods of time in each patch of bushes than those with the lower scores. In other words, they were more likely to abandon the current patch and hunt for a new one. Crucially, the team found such participants also gained more points in the game than those with lower scores on the ADHD scale. This is also surely how the game is calibrated, because you could calibrate the game, you could change the the rate at which it deteriorates if you stay in the same bushes compared to the rate at which, uh, and the time that it takes to go to a new bush. Like, you can adjust those factors in the game. So the fact that that's a better strategy is also based on the design of the game. Does that make sense? Like, the, des- yeah, the game is designed... Can, yeah. You could design the games that it is a bad strategy for you to move bushes, yes. in which case you'd find that ADHD was... A I don't know what you're talking about. Worse. I'm reading People magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I have ADHD. <laughs> no, this kidding. is so... Um, it's interesting to me, though, because I have I have OCD, uh, like, you know, official officially, which seems to be fairly the opposite in a lot of in like in a lot of ways where like i'll hyper focus and i can't uh so i'll you know yeah. i'll just hyper focus hyper focusing can also be a symptom of adhd like i think that's one of the misunderstandings yes. that people have is it, it's not constantly flitting from one thing to another sometimes you can sort of get of locked in and deep focus on something uh, of course but it might not be the thing that you're meant to be working on yeah it's not really an opposite it's it's just it's interesting to me that things that seem incompatible or completely different all have weird evolutionary advantages. Um, so I'm, I'm sure this has been an evolutionary inva- advantage, but I bet in a lot of other ways it was not. I, right. I, like Matt said, yeah. nature isn't designed exactly as this game. And you could see, a ver- like you said, a version of the game where yeah. it would not be beneficial. And we don't know that but, nature isn't that version. <laughs> but it does yeah. say in this article that the researchers said their results chimed with other work that suggested populations with nomadic lifestyles uh, that benefited from exploring tended to have genes associated with ADHD. 
Mm. Um, but there are limitations in the study, including the fact that it was uh, based on self-reporting for the ADHD-like symptoms. Mm. And I bet OCG has um, evolutionary advantages because more and more we tend to focus less and less on the task at hand. So the fact that you're able, even if it's like obsessive and compulsive, you're still focusing on something. <laughs> yeah. Any port in a storm as far as focus goes? I'm of. trying to look for, yeah. for the positive of OCD. Yeah, yeah well, I'm sure. And also, what I'm what sure was that? I'm uh, sorry, I'm reading Jet. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Stealing my joke. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm tweaking it. I'm making it more. I know. I, I know. Just didn't you? Uh, so I, I do agree. But didn't you? Um, I, Wendy, we follow each other on, uh, on Twitter, and you were one of the first Twitter joke smiths to be like, "I'm not doing this. There's too much thievery around." <gasps> yes. I remember well, that, right? Like I, I did that once, and then of course that bowled over. But no, there was one day when I had a meme done of one of my jokes. The yeah. joke was, um, "I am." My husband says I nag him, and I said, uh, "I wouldn't nag you if you listened the first time." And then somebody did a meme of that and didn't credit me, right. and then. Another cartoonist did a joke of mine that we worked on together and didn't include my name on the on the cartoon. So that mm. that just like made me irate. And then I saw a joke of mine uh, in an Amy Schumer HBO special, Oof. and I just figured somebody sold it to her because it was almost verbatim. And then that just had me thinking, I'm, I shouldn't give my jokes away for free. But who am I kidding? I, I give them away for free all the time. No, I, I did think it was weird when Amy was like, talks about how weird it was growing up in the 70s. And I, <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, um, I totally, uh, yeah. I yeah, totally understand. Uh, I, to this day, I think we both wrote wrote a very similar joke. I've written other people's jokes, and people have told me, and so I stopped doing them. And then, all oh no, the that's that's what I'm not saying. Oh, I'm not saying that. I was I was um I was making a joke that the that the material wouldn't be compatible if it was something super right, right, personal, right. To you. Like my husband um, can't do my bra jokes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> well, he can, but um, he shouldn't. What I've noticed is also with jokes, even if they're not stolen, if something goes super viral, like if you tweet something, no one steals it, no one memes it, whatever, you can't do it on stage anymore because someone will think you stole it. No one remembers where they saw right. the, the thing. So they'll, right. they'll be like, you got that from Twitter, or you got that from Instagram or whatever, even though it was your own joke right. that, and that's, uh, it's like not worth it. It's almost not worth it. I just saw I a comic do that. And then he was telling the story on Instagram and said, you know, guy called me out and said, this is someone else's joke. I, I asked whose, And then he sent me a clip and it's of me doing the joke. Yeah. <laughs> literally didn't see that it's. That's hilarious. Well, now I, when that happens, I think, okay, I'm just going to write a better joke. So I, what do you guys think about jokes being competitive? 
like a zero sum game of comedy in the world sort of or what like um i don't know i do this thing on my facebook page where i'll give a premise like um i've always been funny and then i'll give a few punchlines and then other like a hundred people will chime in and give me their punchlines and it's like a game i don't know where the where why i said competitive but um i I've tried to find the funniest joke and uh, it seems to be really fun for my audience. It's, I don't mean my stage audience. I mean my Facebook audience. I think oh, this is, sounds better than that foraging game. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's super, I think it's super interesting because it's like viewing, viewing the entire population as this amorphous entity and like occasionally the funniest person on the internet pops up and it's not the person who is anyone we'd call the best comedian in the world. Like on right. any given day, there can be one person. Uh, so you'll see things that go crazy viral. You look at the person's profile and they have, you know, 800 followers and nothing else that went that like, or they're uh, not even a comedian. Right, right. Right. That's what I mean. Like sort of stop yeah. clock. Not that you shouldn't give them credit for having written that one great joke, but it's interesting that this is also what Dan Harmon has talked about when, when he's talked about trying to write shows that are super plot, driven or super plot twist driven like if your whole show rides on you being able to surprise everyone with a twist at the end of the season that no one saw coming he's like good luck because you're running up against the rendering farm that is the entire internet someone will have thought of what the twist is so the show has to also have great characters and great arcs and like the twist can be good but don't think you're ever gonna you can't outsmart the collective wisdom of six billion people trying to you know, come right. at this comedy or plot problem that you presented them with. Right. Exactly. Did you guys see the new True Detective? Speaking of which. I just watched last night. Yeah. I haven't I seen, haven't any seen of it yet. Mm. What did you think? Mm. Don't give anything away. I'm not going to no, give I'm it not, away. I just want to know what he thought. I'm, I just want to know what he thought. I'm, I'm, <clears throat> um. I'm watching Northern Exposure. Oh, I love Where that show. They rebooted it or they what? Re, they're re airing it oh, on go, go. Prime. Oh, they're not. They're not like re. They're not no, no. It. no. Although I've heard that they've thought about doing that for a long time. Northern but... re-exposure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But double it's, exposure. There's one character who's very philosophical, and actually, a lot of the characters are philosophical, even the non-intentional ones. But it's kind of a deep show. I really enjoy has, it. But I haven't. Has Paul Provenza shown it. up yet? Not yet. We're on season five. Nice. Yeah, oh, I think has, he comes I'm... on season. Six. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, Matt's, Matt's got an, an article that I was hoping we would get to today. It sort of ties in with a mainstream thing that just happened that's sort of tectonic shift as we had a year or so yeah. ago with that story. A couple of people sent in this story. I know Chris yeah. Nelson did. I know Scott Vara did. I think both of them said, I presume loads of people have sent you this story. They, um, yeah, because because Andy, you're you're all in on on the whole AI image generation and I mean and by like, all in by all in I mean endlessly fascinated. I don't want anybody to think I have chosen a side now that it's political. Also, I'm just fascinated by all of this. Um, anyway, oh my god, <laughs> I'm looking at the article. <laughs> yeah, this oh. is this is an article that somehow made it into a peer reviewed journal. <laughs> Uh, frontiers about oh about god. rats that they used 
It, it, I, I don't exactly know how oh we're going to fully do this in an audio-only medium. So, we so are, we, again, as we say, we look are... Look at the show notes. Put, yeah, yeah. Look at the show notes, click on the link. But this is... They decided to use AI-generated images, and they have generated these images of... I, I'm going to say it's slightly out of scale, the <laughs> genitals of this, this rat compared to the rest of its body. Sure. In the... It appears to have testicles that are bigger than it. That will never fit in the trap. No. no. <laughs> but also the thousand yard stare on the on the rat that, <laughs> as it. <laughs> so this is what? Wait. So what's going on? The, the, so someone wrote an article about rat genitals, and then they used AI to make the the visual. That is exactly right. But the AI spat out an image of just this g- rat with just a ginormous junk here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. That's very alliterative. Ginormous but I mean, junk. <laughs> yes. not just not just that 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 flowchart of pseudo biological looking things is also gibberish. Right. Oh, okay. If you yes. scroll down farther. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even the yeah the words in Iolotta S S E R Seret Gomara like it's all bullshit. Oh yeah, it is. Isn't cells. The words are all because I guess yeah the the labeling is insane. Yeah, the all of the labeling is uh test cells. One of them just kind of says dick D C K on number five there. One of them says ratat, which I think is meant to be rat maybe. Uh, okay, so what what happened here? Let's get to the bottom of this. Uh, why can't AI make a rat penis? Um, <laughs> yeah, there's also other. There are other diagrams that, again, they just they just went with the first draft of AI and didn't correct anything and just. Uh, well, hmm. you guys haven't. So I I know Matt and Jesse haven't really. T- tooled around with it much. Wendy, have you poked around with any of the generative AIs that are out there now? Somebody put my jokes into it and said, write uh, jokes like Wendy Liebman. And it generated taglines for those jokes they put in. And maybe one out of a hundred made any, made anybody laugh more. Mm -hmm. Like they weren't funny. And right. um, so I felt really relieved, actually, that they couldn't do me. Right. Um, is that was that the question? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, with with things like that, I'm always um, I, I have so many opinions on this because for the last year I've been trying to poke around at every new thing as it comes out just to know what it can and can't do and, and wrap my head around this world we're in now. And. So I pay the $20 a month to use the GPT-4 version of ChatGPT, where the free the free version scored in like the 10th percentile in the MCAT and LSAT. The $20 a month one scored in the 90th percentile. So I think a lot of people are also giving themselves, I'm not trying to be the, the sky is falling, but a lot of people are giving themselves sort of false hope by using a lesser version and saying, well, it's not there. But then we also have things like last week, I'm sure everyone saw Sora, OpenAI's new text-to-video generator, which is yeah. uh, shockingly good. And like the fact that it went from a year ago, someone typed in Will Smith eating spaghetti, and you get this Lovecraftian nonsense visual gibberish, to a year later, these 
things that look professionally shot in 4K, like those dogs playing in the sl- snow in slow motion. Well, like I'm just glad no one will same... use it for evil, you know? <laughs> right. Well, just... I know people who have been scammed by oh, the yeah. deep fake. I was already talking to my parents about like, we need to set up a family password just for anything emergency before anyone asks you for help in an emergency. They have to say oh, a family password. Oh, that's smart. We didn't decide what it is not yet, a bad idea. But everyone should do that because we are so close. Like, you know, you my family already, clone... already does that because of the role playing. Sure. Yeah. This is <laughs> yeah. Family yeah. safe word. We have a family safe from, word. Yeah. Right, right, we have, yeah, we have yeah. a, um, you know, it's a, we like to have fun. So <laughs> my safe word is no. but i just dropped a story in here to go from uh bad to much better use of ai and before we cover this story i do i do want to like just cite if i can quote myself from december 2022 in the same podcast where we talked about a fusion breakthrough we also talked about chat gpt and i said a fusion thing's big i think chat gpt is way bigger and i stand by that because now ai might help us solve nuclear fusion so you can see that article. I think did Justin Pearl sent in this, send in this yes. CNN story? I think he did. Yes. So scientists pursuing fusion energy say they've found a way to overcome one of their biggest challenges to date by using artificial intelligence. Nuclear fusion has for decades been hailed as a near limitless source of clean energy in what would be a game changing solution to the climate crisis. But experts have only achieved and sustained fusion energy for a few seconds and many obstacles remain, including instabilities in the highly complex process. It so, does seem complicated. It's very complicated. I uh, think that's so great, but can they help with my Wi-Fi in my house? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my problem. I mean, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think once we get... I was I was also, like, asking ChatGPT for hypotheticals about, like, what... If we actually had cl- uh, cheap fusion, you know, how, how much more could all of humanity consume energy wise before we'd actually, because I was talking with a friend of mine about how like, I think there's a, there's a big contingent of climate worry that has a slight religiosity and sort of like we humans are bad and we deserve to be punished and austerity is the only way forward. And if we actually like solve this with tech in the next decade, everyone can just run their AC all You won't have to like hold back on anything because we will get out of one liter of water the same amount of energy we get out of 40 tons of coal right now. So if essentially energy will be free. And I think, I'm not saying that's guaranteed to happen, but I think there's a big contingent. Like there's a lot of weird binaries in the world now when it comes to climate, you're either team it's unfixable or team it's fake. It's like, no, why can't we be team it's real and maybe fixable? You know, anyway. I thought so, that was I think, the I think we the- can, but the part of, I think part of the problem is that for many years now, the the people who really want to encourage, uh, who want to discourage anything being done to cut into their profits, try to sell this version of story that science will fix it, so that they don't have to do stuff, In- including but including they're, things they're like bad. yeah, including things like pushing the myth that plastic is in any way recyclable which it almost no plastic is actually recycled right. and the companies that produce plastic bottles in their billions are well, say that to the jug next company, to my so. bed buddy <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> i ain't walking across the room at night i ain't doing it upcycling um, but i you, recycle you know, my jokes <laughs> can i ask you guys this yeah because i was thinking about this when the the uh so the ai video stuff came out and i was just like 
oh, this is my limit. Like, like, um, what I mean is like, okay, my grandparents, um, they never had cell phones. They never had a computer. They weren't on the internet. They had a touchtone phone. And for them, moving up from the rotary phone to touchtone, that's when they stopped. That's the last step. That's the last step for them. They were around for the other stuff. Like, you know, like Windows 95 and all that. And they just, it's too, like, no, that's crazy. That's too much. And I think everyone has that limit where you're just, you're like, I think I'm done. And for me, it might be AI where I know I'll be left behind. I know that. I completely know that. I know that I'm going to be one of those people that's like, you know, can you believe grandpa still drives his own car or whatever? But, but like, I think I'm done. And yeah. uh, so, Andy, you're obviously not done. Matt, when well, are you done? What's going to have to happen? I think there's going to be a big, big, there already is a big, like, Luddite movement. There's going to be huge pushback. Like, as Sora came out, there were also That'll annoy me, too, though. It'll oh, be course, like those steampunk guys. Yeah. And, like, I am i can't hang out with those guys that listen to, like, Bon Iver all day. I can't do it. Right. But, like, the polls the polls have been showing since Sora came out in the last week. The public is very against this. Like, not Wait, what is what is that? Sora? Yeah. Oh, I'll, po- I'll oh, post the... Put the, a link, and Wendy, I think I think even tweets. muted, you could just watch this, uh, you know, watch this right now. And it, it's these little... You just type in, like, a video prompt, like, um, as if Here, you were right... Here's the, best, here's the best one, I think. Someone just typed in, uh, Golden Retriever Puppies Playing in the Snow, and the AI created that video I just posted. Again, that was not photographed by anyone. That was just generated by... AI. Yeah, that using... YouTube link. So none of it's real. Yeah. Oh. It's not real puppies. They're it's so not... cute. <laughs> That's how they get you, Wendy. <laughs> That's how they get you. You know, but it's not, I mean, but it's terrifying because it's. Uh... But how do they do that? That's the thing. It's mind blowing technology. Even the people who made it don't fully understand how it well, works. Well, I watched this. Um, it was like in, in the New York Times, it was a test. Can you spot the AI generated face? And you can't. You can't. You don't know which is which. And a lot of times you think you know and you don't. And this so. is the worst this is the worst AI you're ever gonna encounter for the rest of your life. Exactly. What I just showed you. Exactly. So, really? The so Sora it, it's, it's called Sora? Better. It's only getting better. Sora was the video version of OpenAI. There's already um, one in her house. <laughs> this is how they're not real dogs barking <laughs> but to be to be positive again just to finish yes. just to close the loop really quickly on the fusion thing so the problem with fusion among others is that the plasma you need to create it is very uh hard to control and it's highly susceptible to tearing and escaping the tuckamax uh, magnetic field so on Wednesday, researchers from Princeton reported that they found a way to use AI to forecast those potential instabilities and prevent them from happening in real time. So their AI controller could forecast potential plasma tearing up to 300 milliseconds in advance. And without that intervention, the fusion reaction would have ended suddenly. So they're saying this, these instabilities have long hindered fusion energy. And this is a huge step forward, um, being able to keep this stable. So I fully think this is going to be, I mean, it, it, nothing but... but unpredictably vast in good and bad ways. Like, I think this will solve medical and technological physics problems. Yes. It'll be great for us, but it's also going to have just totally unpredictable societal problems. And it's just unknowable and fascinating I, I, and terrifying. Singularity. 
I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the burden of the ultimate burden of proof is video, and that's about to be com- uh, just over. Oh, the other thing is so the over. Will Smith, the Will Smith spaghetti thing, I was using it as an example. So actually, I should just send this. So it's comically bad. The video that someone that was top of the you know, cutting edge technology a year ago. And uh, now there are these great videos. So now there's a video showing the garbage Will Smith. And then it's alongside a much higher quality one. And everyone's like, I can't believe how good this was. Like, no, that was Will Smith recording himself eating spaghetti as a joke to tag on to this meme. But now the tech is so good. <laughs> people think the real thing is fake. And like, yes. honestly, right now. Well, that's that's the danger. It's yes. the, the danger is nothing is not, really, nothing is trustable. Yeah. Well, yes. so the evolution is you have to see it with your own eyes. And, that's not enough. And, no, that's not enough. But um, who do you trust? Like, There's... who do you trust to tell you the truth? This right. election is going to be very interesting. It, this for election is going to be insane. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, up until now, they've all been so stable and fun and just, it's like a normal kind of day. And then everyone gets over, everyone's over it and like, you know, accepts everything. That's it. So yeah. it's, you know, I'm not looking forward to that time honor tradition being trampled upon. Hmm. No. Yeah. Weird times are ahead, but also, you know, exciting in that, in that value neutral way, in the way that like Hitler was times man of the year in 39. They're like, we didn't say good. We said uh, man of the year, <laughs> like defining person of this year. Well, it's just uh, Will oh, so Smith. This is, off, don't need this to is off topic, but um, somebody once wanted to meet me and they said that they had met me once before and they were t- time man of the year in such and such a year. And, and I, agree to meet them and then I get there and I said you were time man of the year right and he said well it was a mirror that year <laughs> and I was like Wendy you are dumb that is I didn't do my research it's all about research yeah I, I threw a ping pong ball into a goldfish bowl at a fair and now I'm oh time man of the year oh my god it was a mirror <laughs> So I was I was man of the year too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, I didn't mean to stray from. No. I just didn't. looked I, at Will Smith. I just looked at Will Smith. So which is the real one? If you play the video in that article. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's too dry. I missed that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But yeah. It really it gets my heart rate going. It's it's yeah. Just be listeners. Don't be. Don't be like fooled into thinking I think everything is good because I think everything is exciting. Like excitement has no value. <laughs> it's a vector's magnitude, not a vector's direction, and that's how. Yeah, it's it. not, you guys I, are so smart and using big words. I. Or I'm just saying, like in the way that, like, also, did you, did you guys ever say grace uh, at the table growing up? And did you say God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food? No, no, no. Oh, for one thing, it doesn't rhyme except on paper. I've never understood it. And then it all, <laughs> yeah, although I mean, I you're have, talking to two I, Jews I, and a hippie, so. Oh right, right, right. right. <laughs> I I do a thing though. I mean, wait, where... Jews have God? Hold on a second. Yeah, but we yeah, don't but say that. Grace, oh, okay. Yeah. We have no, more. No. We have more dignity than that. <laughs> I say thank you, mom. I um one time this is uh this is where you know someone's a uh, uh, a woman stayed over. Right. A woman mm-hmm. stayed over because um, sometimes adults will have a, you know, you have a sleepover. Right. So a woman stayed over. And in the morning, uh, I thought it would be really funny 
if as soon as I woke up, I I like started doing the Pledge of Allegiance. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like it was totally like, like it was totally normal. Like I do that. You know, I was like, this will be funny. But she didn't get it. it, it like she just thought I was a psycho. And I was like I'm trying to explain to her like that's the joke. Like it'd be funny. It'd be funny if you just spent the night with the guy that wakes up and does the Pledge of Allegiance. And she's like, I, I did. It's not funny. And I don't know. Did anyway, she ever like, spend the night again? No, of course she never spent the night again. It was it was like uh I was trying to explain, I was like doing a bit, like it would be wouldn't this be funny? And right. she just couldn't go that next layer with but me. But also once you're in that position, there's no way to explain it that doesn't make you seem more mad. Yeah. Did you play taps before you went to bed? No, no. It's just like like you quit doing that when you leave school, and it's funny to me if you still did it as a grown up. Oh, and I like, get that. That's no, hysterical. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she just didn't have the sense no, of humor about uh, no. it. No. So, well, well, you know what? Sense of humor brings people together. So it does. And you I told nipped her, I that time, one in the bud. I was bud. Times Man of the Year. I was Times Man of the Year. And she went. <laughs> And then I, I, she ate all of my fruit, and I'm reading Jet magazine. Okay. Oh my um, god, you're funny. Thank you, Wendy. Um, what we, we should. Uh, sorry, go what were you going to say? Because I was, no. I was about to wrap things up for the main episode. Yeah. If you yeah. had a thought. No, 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 no. I do not. Wrap we, we away. Should, we should, we should wrap up the main episode. We'll, we'll save a story for the Patreon patrons. But, um, Wendy, where can our listeners find you and things that you're doing? So you can find me on Instagram, Threads, Twitter, or X, and Facebook. And I also am starting a podcast, Who's oh, cool. Up Who's Up with Wendy and Nancy. It's a half-hour chat show uh, with Nancy Cohen. She's a sitcom writer. Very and cool. it's just going to be, we're talking before bedtime. Um, I love that. Oh, that's with cool. Some of our favorite guests. So yeah, we haven't started it yet, but it's it's it's. Well, in you the get fire. too sleepy. You're too sleepy. I mean, you. you this can't. is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we have many irons in the fire. So, Very thank cool. you so much for having me on. Oh, thanks, thanks for, for joining. Being, we yeah. we um. Listeners, you can find us as always, probablyscience.com, um, on Twitter at probablyscience individually at Andy T. Wood at Jesse Case and at Matt Kirshen. If you have any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you would like us to cover, uh, or anything else you want to write to us about, you can email us probablyscience at gmail.com. Also, if you're in Vegas, I'm going to be back there March 11th to 17th at the Comedy Center at the Rio. And also, I'm going to be in Denver at the end of March. So. Uh, come and see me there. I need to double check exactly which room, what the room is now called, because I think they changed their names. But um, did they? Just in uh, Denver somewhere? Just be in Denver somewhere. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure. Is it still called the Denver Comedy Underground? Um, I think Comedy Works? Yeah. No, it's the Comedy Underground. It's Denver okay. Comedy Underground. I'll be there at the end of the, the last weekend of, of March. So if you're anywhere in the greater colorado area come and see me then and also i'll be in boulder the greater on colorado area drive just, just any you live on the other side of yellowstone drive the 12 hours and come yeah anywhere just like anywhere where people wear cowboy hats that isn't texas come and see me get on out there um you guys are so great i bet you did great on your sats i i dropped out of high school <laughs> 
I really did. I really did. Yeah, I didn't. I never took my SAT. Well, who has time for? Yeah, you you were busy learning. Mm. <laughs> School hard knocks, baby. Yeah. 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 Did you guys I, do? Did you guys do connections today? The New York Times. I um, did. Can we spoil that? Okay, don't listen. We're done with the podcast anyway. So listeners, don't listen if you haven't played it yet, if this goes up today. But I'm real mad about one of those categories. Which I one? don't do it just out of principle because I'm just annoyed at them nicking it from Only, Only Connect. Connect. But... Yeah, it mm. is a bummer. What is yeah, it oh, What is it from? It's a British there's... game show that Matt... Oh, it's your thing, Matt. Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's right. there's, a British, there's a British game show that is very... Uh, what would you call it? Like high-end questions? Just... It's the, hardest game, it's the hardest game show, and it's oh. and it's basically every round is is various forms of connections. So it's all about like what is the connection between these four seemingly unconnected clues, and the second round is what's the sequence, and the third round is the connecting wall, which is basically exactly that. Except <gasps> my understanding is that there are fewer kind of red herrings in the New York Times version. No, they'll have red herrings. Like they'll have oh, grouping, yeah. groupings of five, so you know you right. can't just start spinning on those because one of them goes somewhere else. But what it doesn't have is there's a lot of really hard wordplay things in the TV show version. Like I can't remember the rest of them. One of them was like organ and um, whatever, and they were all anagrams of chemical elements. But you have like a minute to find all these <laughs> connections. Like mm. so, it gets really. Or sometimes <clears throat> if you add a letter to a bunch of them, they'll they'll make something that's a pattern or hidden within the words is something right it's just, it'll it gets be like much much american more... states minus the first letter or something like right, that right <gasps> right but the one today okay they they right. plur they pluralized tests just so that they so it could be a red herring with four other ones even though the rest of the category tests went into they chose to have be sing be singular so it was things that have keys oh. and it was computer piano Super, as in like a superintendent, I guess, and tests. What, it should either be all plural or all singular. You just cheated the tests thing so it could go along with bugs and a noise and whatever. So it's just not right, even good. Right. It's just not good. Mm. I either get all of them pretty much right away except the last one. And then I just have the the four, and I have no idea. What and you just they... win by default because that's what's the four. Yes, left. the the four. But then it feels left. like a not real victory. I get that all the time too. Do, like, do you have to in in the times one? Do you have to actually like write what you think the categories are, or does it just no, tell no. you that you're correct when you finished it? No, it tells you you're correct and what the category is. So sometimes if you have you know the only four words left, you'll select them winning by default, and then the category is something insane. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, pick up lines in Wisconsin. You're like, okay. <laughs> but and, did, uh, yeah. you're, <laughs> you, you're like, did I win? It says I won, but in my head, I didn't really. Yeah. 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 Types of well, baroque, baroque outfits. Like the, can I say what they were yesterday? Oh, yeah, I just said yeah. one of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, the Tony winners for best musical, I didn't think that was the category. I thought it was plays with, or musicals with one name in Right. Which is also true. I mean, right? Yeah. It is also right. true. I didn't know they. Yeah, were if, Tony if that was in the TV show and and that came up, you sort of I think they'd have to give that to you because you're like, no, you've you've 
God, right. you have found a connection between them that is true. The They're other, all musicals. They all have one name. The other great thing about the show, though, which is why it's so fun, among other reasons, is that there's no money at stake. So everything's just sort of gentleman's rules. So the host, if you had said one word musical, she'd say, can you give me something more? And she'll let you keep thinking for a second. Like, they I... want you to win. It's all just to like play games and not to be like, oh, we can get you on a technicality. You lose the money. There's no money. There's no Do audience. Do we get that just... here? Do we get that show? No. no I've talked of... to people about you, trying you to bring don't it get it. Here, it's but... not broadcast here, but people have uploaded almost every episode onto YouTube. Game Game Show so Wealth. I can send is, you a link. Game okay, Show Wealth is always. I, I'm fascinated by game show prizes. Like, uh, so Wendy, uh, Andy is a multiple times uh, Jeopardy champion. And really, he mm-hmm. is. And it's funny to me that even though that's that's great and it's cool, it's it's a lot of money and all that stuff. It's still like you could win a billion dollars if you pick the right briefcase. <laughs> on like another show and it's funny to me that this show in england there's not even a prize no. and then in, in america it's like br- no briefcase prize. three is it yeah, number I think three for winning only connect you win like a plaque or something <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. so it's like the the dumber you can be to win the more money you can get it's how insane. did the four of you connect uh well we're I mean the three of you there are yeah stand up yeah initially uh yeah stand up yeah well well, Andy, Andy and I, I mean, we met through stand-up, but this show started because in the space of a week, I did a show with Andy and a show with Brooks Whelan, who was originally on the show, and found out that they both had science backgrounds. They both mm. talked about it on stage. And so I sort of, went, okay, now I know, if, like, I did a math degree. Andy was an engineer. Brooks was a biomedical, was it biomedical, biomedical tech? Biomedical yeah, did, engineering. Engineering. did eyeball stuff. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, now I know two other people. And then, who I didn't know a week ago in LA who are comedians who have science backgrounds. And then Andy and I lived together. Brooks got hired by SNL. So then I was just always in the backyard anyway. And they're like, come be the other host. Yeah. And, and Jesse then, had already written the theme song for our, for our show as well. <laughs> yeah, I already so did the theme like- song. I did the theme song. Uh, Which, by the way, have we talked about... I love Smartless, one of my favorite podcasts. I think... In the same way that uh, Dane Cook accused Steve Byrne of stealing his essence, I think Smartless stole the essence of your theme, Jesse. What do you think? I haven't heard this. Oh, I, I haven't heard I it. I don't listen to any podcast, including our own. Oh, it's great. But like, <laughs> it's <laughs> listeners, go listen to their theme and our theme and tell me that they didn't steal the essence of Jesse's, which is a very funny essence, which is like 80s, 80s synth a, a, instructional. No, it's an educational like, tutorial video, 80s. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Which is exactly Andy, I think was. when Andy was on... Jeopardy! I wrote to you and I said I was a stand-up comedian too. And I, I, what's your last name? Wait, you wrote to me when I was on Jeopardy? Andy I Wood. think I did. And then you said, do, "Do you want to do my podcast?" What? I think. Oh, I don't think so because I also didn't mention that I was a stand. I didn't want to like have Alex ask me about. Oh, comedy. okay. I just said I was a writer because right. I didn't want to like. Oh, this guy said he was a stand-up comic on Jeopardy. He wasn't funny at all. He was just like answering questions. Oh no, it wasn't you. But there was another comedian who also has a podcast. Never mind. There's a fair note. Was it Alex Schmidt? Uh, maybe. He also maybe. is a podcaster comedian who won four games of Jeopardy. And so did Bob Harris. <laughs> Bob Harris is a friend of mine who is a comedian and a writer, and he won many episodes. Susie Maxey was a comedian. There's a guy named Kyle who was a comedian who was on Jeopardy. And 
one of than one of my yeah. interns when I worked at a college. <laughs> and also back Louis, to back, Louis Vettel was on it as well. Was wasn't he? Oh, right, a while back. Kimmel. The, also, they they rebooted Celebrity Jeopardy last year, and the winner last year, and winner this year, both comics, comic actors. So yeah, we. Oh we've, yeah. Represented ourselves well. Turns out there is something about being a comedian that makes you accumulate a lot of yeah bullshit knowledge. <laughs> it's very good <laughs> yeah. for quizzes. I, was, I, could, I, was... I could do Celebrity Jeopardy and not not the celebrity part, but I mean, I could answer those questions better than I could answer the ones on the They definitely softball them a bit, don't they? You should actually hit them up because it would be so fun to see you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You, you, well, I'm not celebrity. No, enough. you are definitely. Uh, you are well, definitely. I would love to. So get on the horn, Andy yeah. Wood. Yeah. Okay. I was on Who Not to Sleep With. And uh, <laughs> that was. I was on What who, what Not to Wear. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a person. <laughs> what? No, it's just funny. It's all outfit. It's like just Wendy Liebman. Just who what? not to wear. No, what, what not, not to wear. wear. What not, what to, not wear. to wear. Were you actually Wendy on it? Liebman. No, I wasn't, but <laughs> no. I, oh, I could have been. Too dry. You, you've been had. I wear um, all black. Mm. You too. It hides every stain. Um, well, listeners, thank you so much. And for the Patreon patrons who we prefer and like more, uh, <laughs> please enjoy that the bonus. And... Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you guys soon. We'll speak to you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.